0: Cynthia Hyatt. I hear the Well,
1: let's have a wonderful Wednesday. We are halfway through the week. And I'm hoping that you were able to listen to Monday and Tuesday. I'm always glad when you take this time to listen to some of these things that are are educational, helpful, encouraging, directional because we all need some guidance in our life. And and if you missed Monday and Tuesday, you might want to go to the website and listen to the podcast because we did nine, nine different insidious and overlooked issues that undermine marriages and partnerships. So the next two days, we're going to spend time on, since we're going to kind of contrast it to really the negatives, to how do we have then a kinder and gentler relationship? Do you need a kinder, gentler relationship? I think we all do. This is a very harsh world, I'm sure you know. So I want to start out with, uh, this is the Message Bible, and this is Luke chapter 6, verse 35. And it says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity, The way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, you be kind. I love that verse. It encompasses everything we talked about Monday and Tuesday. We talked about having empathy. We talked about having an ego that is strong enough to handle criticism and not get defensive. We talked about giving without expecting, not keeping score. We talked about loving somebody when they're so difficult to love. And so a lot of times we read this verse, and when it says, I tell you, love your enemies, we think about the people that we really think are our enemies. But many times we can really feel like our spouse or our partner is truly our enemy. This is why God says, love your enemies, not just the enemies like, I don't know, in the Middle East that we feel like sometimes is our enemy, right? Or China. Yeah, we want to love these people as well because God loves them and God's doing a good work in them. But many times our enemy is the one closest to us. And generally that is not purposeful, but it it hurts all the same. So we'll read it one more time. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. That's an amazing promise. When God makes a promise, he always follows through. So then it goes on to say, live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Even when we're at our worst. Our father is kind, you be kind. And if that's all you remember from this verse, your father in heaven is kind, you be kind. That's really all we need. So a kinder, gentler relationship starts with me, starts with you. Because I and we teach people how to treat us for the most part. Now, there always be those who are going to act just the way they want without conscience. There are going to be people that way. But I teach others how to treat me primarily by the way I treat myself and I treat you. And I've said many times I really do get a very good version of people. And a lot of that has to do with how I interact with them. So as we look at this, we're going to look at how do I practice this kindness and gentleness? Again, we're going to do the master's way, right? We're going to do God's way. So love means do not harm. It does not mean cause no pain because we can have a lot of pain in the midst of very deep love because we're with mistake-making people. But when we talk about adults, remember, we don't tolerate bad behaviors. We don't harm people. That doesn't mean that as we go through life, we're not going to cause pain as God is doing the good work in us. So we've talked before about your internal home. And are you treating you the way God treats you? If God is kind to you, are you being kind to yourself? And that doesn't mean kindness, that we're like letting ourselves get away with a whole bunch of stuff. It means that we're not shaming, blaming, condemning, judging, hating ourselves because you have to understand if you've got that going on in your internal home anybody spending any length of time with you is going to experience it so is there peace is there love is there grace or is there abuse anger arguing accusing neglecting condemnation and abandonment inside of you See, if the enemy can get you to abuse yourself, you're going to do his job for him as he sits back and watches the wreckage and damage, just like an automatic deduction in your internal bank account. The more you deduct by being mean and nasty and condemning and judging to yourself, the less you have to give others and the less tolerance you will have. Everything will start to hurt. It's like walking around with a chronic sunburn. So this is important. The question is not whether you're worth taking care of. That has already been established. You are worth being cared for, cared about. That was, that was given to you when, when, when God created you and then died on the cross and says, I want to be with you forever. So the question is not whether you're worth taking care of. It's are you willing to take care of you and those around you? See, it's not about a feeling. It doesn't come naturally. It is sacrificial. It is much harder for me to love me than it is for me to love others. It's much harder for me to extend grace to myself than it is to give others. So the question is, if you don't care for yourself, why do you think you're not worth caring for? You know that famous saying, how's that working for you? What fruit is being produced in your life by treating yourself poorly? What kind of fruit would that produce? What's the, what's the end result? So the outcomes of kindness and gentleness, what fruit is produced by kindness and gentleness? What does love produce? Life. Jesus is alive because love could not be killed. Even people who are physically dead, who have passed away, do not cease to be loved. So again, love means do no harm. It doesn't mean cause no pain. So it's our responsibility in relationship with others and ourselves to support the work that Christ has already done and is continuing to do because we know that he says if you love me you will obey my commandments love your neighbor as yourself right love your neighbor as yourself so however it is that you're loving you would you love your neighbors the way you love yourself and if the and if the answer is no then the ways we have kinder, gentler relationships is starting with, with, with my relationship with God, my relationship with myself, so that I can love others the way that God loves me. So if you don't remember anything else from this show, remember this. I just want you to care for yourselves. You are valuable, loved, and we need you. The enemy wants you to think you don't matter, and that's a lie so think about this one of the ways we start increasing kindness and gentleness is managing our negative self-talk see the negativity within us inhibits a kinder gentler internal and external world so we've talked in previous shows about how negativity actually damages the brain So we need to stop the negativity and increase the positivity ratio. This helps us bring a kinder, gentler version of ourselves into each relationship we participate in. So how do I turn down the negative self-talk? If you're a negative self-talker, you may not even realize it actually. It may be more unconscious at this point. But one of the ways to know if you have negativity is it's kind of like having a low-grade fever. Like you just don't ever really feel good or happy unless externally something occurs. So you don't bring necessarily happiness with you. You need happiness to come to you. So remember the brain is hardwired toward negativity. It, it It's like second nature. It's automatic. And some of that be, is because of the fallenness, but it also is our brain gravitates toward pain as a way to alleviate it. That's the fallenness. It sounds logical, but the way God created us, it doesn't work. So one of the ways we become aware of our own self-talk is really, truly tuning in, truly listening, to your, truly listening to yourself. And we know you know this this whole idea of really checking in with ourselves and taking time if i'm willing to do it then i need less time because i'm feeling cared for and when i'm caring for me i don't have to think about myself as much so self talk dictates how you relate to yourself and how you show up for other people people who think negati- negatively tend to be less outgoing they have weaker social networks, much more, much weaker social networks than positive thinkers. And there's multiple studies that link positive emotions with more satisfying relationships, more romance, and lower divorce rates. This does not mean we do the Pollyanna approach to life, and that we're in denial of what's really happening. But what we focus on, certainly are facts and truth... And we reposition whether we're on top of it or underneath it so that if I get in a fight with my husband, you know, I have a, there's a fork in the road, I can either go down the road of rehashing it in my head thinking of all the things he should never have done thinking of how he how he handled it and then internalizing well i must not be loved i must not be wanted it's never going to work out i don't know what i'm going to do um uh, i i must suck all of these kinds of things right this is how we end up thinking it just becomes that negative spiral so then the next time i see him i'm already locked and loaded i'm already defensive i'm already sensitive which makes working out the issue that much more difficult. So we, we really want to stop that downward spiral. I want to go down the road that says, okay, that was, that was uncomfortable. That was painful. That was hurtful. I don't like that that happened. And I immediately say, hmm, what could I have done differently? And was this an emotional argument or was this a content argument? And the content arguments are usually a lot easier to deal with because they're actually about a real thing. The emotional argument just becomes a spiral of reacting to one another's emotions and words, and it becomes that much more complicated. So the negative talk can be this runaway train. The mind goes in circles, it's replaying negative events. It's going back to past failures. It's doing that self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, it will never work out. It's being Eeyore, if you're you're old enough to know who Winnie the Pooh is. (laughs) And so it it really is focusing on negative events and shortcomings, and it's harder to put them behind you. And this is where we've talked about forgiveness and forgiving self. Because the more I'm willing to forgive myself, the easier it is for me to forgive others. So research truly shows that happy people do put bad days behind them and they look at how better off they are now. And they really focus on what are some of the positive things that are happening even in the midst of what might not be working. A third way to stop the negative talk is I talk myself out of it. To change my negative self-talk, I need a plan. So there are four things that I can do to make this happen. Number one, distance yourself. I distance myself. I can't just banish negative self-talk forever, but I can take a step back and give myself some distance from it and think to myself, hmm, if I heard somebody else talk like that, to themselves, what might I say? So when you notice that negative self-talk occurring, you need to say something like, hey, okay, brain, you're sharing. Okay, all right, I hear it. I hear, I hear what you're saying. And that's one of the ways that you distance yourself is you recognize, and we've talked before, that your brain is like a computer. So like Google, it just throws stuff up. You hit the search bar, and you'll get a plethora, you'll get pages of things you could go down whatever rabbit hole you want to go down. So you want to do anything that gives you that objective third-party position. And that helps to distance it so you actually can elicit some choice. The second one, distract yourself. Because overthinking involves focusing On this train of thought that goes around and around and around and you can't stop the train of thought by unless you start focusing on something else so using um, the Jesus prayer is very helpful meditating on that that engages your mind that's the Lord Jesus Christ son of God have mercy on me a sinner Lord Jesus Christ son of God have mercy on me a sinner and it helps us To really focus more on God and throwing ourselves at his feet and saying, help me, please have mercy on me because I can't get off this train. So anything that distracts you to help you get, again, some distance. Some of it is actually saying, stop. And that's number three, give your negative thoughts the third degree say something like you can't talk to me that way in your own head right I know this may sound a little crazy but it really works if I hear myself throw out a bunch of negative thoughts I say no you can't talk like that to me because if somebody else were saying these things to me I would probably set a boundary if someone else was talking to one of my friends that way I would stand up for my friend And we're being friends to ourselves, remember? When you tell your brain, you can't talk to me that way. Don't bring that up again. Then your brain listens. Because it has to obey you. That's part of having the mind of Christ. That Christ lives in your brain and you tell your brain what to think. The same way that we... In our car, using our GPS, right, we don't tell it something negative like, don't go to South Mountain. We tell the GPS where we want it to go. And so if you've ever worked with your GPS and you decide to go a different way, it starts rerouting you, right? So you either turn it off, just turn off the, you know, MapQuest or whatever it is, Google Maps. Or you put in a new destination. But you don't just follow it wherever it takes you if you've decided not to go in that direction. You have choices. So you need to be able to, to say to yourself, is what I'm thinking actually true? If, if it's true, and I, and, it, and I have done something that is not correct, then I need to be more objective so that I can have a corrective behavior. If I, if I can't, then I'm going to get so stuck in the negative thinking. I will have more bad behavior. See, that's the Romans eight twenty eight. God can cause all things to work together for good. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Even if I've made a mistake, I learn from it. The fourth one, save them for later. One of the things that really helps is if I say to myself, I'm only allowed to have negative thinking at 5 o'clock from 5 to 5.15. I'm going to have negative thinking. And I put boundaries on it. Write it down. Many times if you just write them down, that gives you distance. And when you write it down, many times you go, wow, that's not right. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't look right. And that really, truly helps. You write it down, you rip it up, you burn it up, you you know, file it away, whatever you want to do, because that's how you get it out so that you can actually figure out what you need to do in a more objective adult manner. And fourthly, one of the ways we make it positive, this last point about this, is I really work on talking to myself the way I would a friend. I coach myself the way I would a friend. Be Jesus to yourself, just like you're supposed to be Jesus to anybody else. Here's where you can practice the W W J D. Right? What would Jesus do? Would Jesus sit here and and buy into my negative self talk and reinforce it? No. He's still going to address an issue, but he's not going to do it with condemnation. So one of the ways, right, that we, these steps to a kinder, gentler way of relating is what we just talked about, that whole idea of adjusting your thoughts. I mean, do you like it when someone makes you feel even worse about the messy moments? And how do you feel about the person who punishes you and criticizes you, rubs your face in your mistakes? How differently do you feel about the person who shows compassion and understanding the one who actually offers assistance and grace right what kind of person do you want to be for your loved ones be that to you remember care about the one God cares about and that is you So we are coming up to the end here, and we are going to really talk tomorrow about these 10 steps that I have laid out for you. And we'll have that in one of the blogs to this kinder, gentler relating. And that's think about how you want to be treated. Think about how you'd react to someone else. We're gonna work on, that's the adjusting your thinking. We're gonna work on adjusting your focus. So you're gonna focus on the relationship instead of appearances. Number four, we're going to focus on the situation instead of the behavior. We're going to focus on prevention instead of correction. And then we're going to adjust our words. We're going to listen to ourselves. We're going to have a backup plan. Then we're going to adjust our routine, self-care. We're going to know how to get our needs met. We're going to work on letting go. And lastly, we're going to see the choice, and then we're going to make that choice. So I'm so glad you joined me today. Join me tomorrow as we talk about these 10 steps to a kinder, gentler relating. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless you. You are loved.